0: Welcome to Living Within the Sweet Spot with your host, Nikki Klegel. Have you been searching for that something within you? The one thing that is designed to bring abundance into your life? Are you not finding it yet? By partnering with God, you are sure to discover the key to living a happier and more fulfilling life. Now, here is Nikki Klegel.
1: Yes, I am so happy you are here with us on Living Life Within the Sweet Spot. I am Nikki Klegel. I'm an author, a coach, and a speaker who helps people get God-partnered and really clarify their divine purpose and tap into the Trinity and all that offer so they're empowered by the work they do, the health they're in, and the relationships they have, creating a legacy of leading and succeeding God's way. All right, so we know that with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And so like all of our shows, we're gonna do it in the three parts, where first we're gonna look at the topic at hand in a very faith-based life coaching way. The topic at hand today is escaping abuse or what you do when you're in those situations in life where the abuse is overwhelming and you know you need to get out and how do you do it and then next we're going to move into this place where I bring in a guest and she's going to offer a lot of insight she's lived through this herself and uh, took her kids into a place uh, safe space with her and they've managed to now lead other people, and help and encourage other people. So then we're going to move to the third part of the show, and then that is where we'll take in questions and call-ins. And I have two really compelling and heart um, felt messages from people, so I know April's going to be able to give them some good insights. So we want to make sure that we get going on this. So let me head into the kind of life coaching section of all this so as always I do it in this way of consider what the problem is consider what the gift or the word says consider what the gift is if we follow what the word says and then last let's consider what we're going to do we have a choice so the problem the word the gift the choice all right so the problem. Now, what I want you guys to know is that I get I'm listening or you guys are listening in all different kinds of places and I'm speaking to people in all different sorts of places. And and I want to, you to know that there's no place too small, no place too big that there isn't um, healing and there isn't a way out or there isn't an answer for you. It doesn't matter. And God wants to help all of us, no matter where we're at. And this should be shared. People listening on Voice America, make sure that you're sharing this to my website or my Facebook page, which is Nikki Clagle, comma, Fulfill Your Legacy. And you'll be able to see us and we're going to put some posts on there. Um, We'll also attach a link to a book that um, the author who is our guest will have there. So I want you to know that there's no place too big or too small and get the help that you need. And I'm just simply going to be offering advice that has to do more with um, abuse in general, any kind of relationship. And April will specifically get in on when it's a spouse and what we do with all that and your family. All right, so what I did was I sort of broke this problem down into three ways. And, And I wanted us to really sit there and think, always when we do this, consider the problem. I want people to reflect Do some soul searching and really get a clear understanding of what's going on. Well, sometimes we get so, I basically titled this section, we slowly and innocently get sucked into these places until it's almost too late. And I just really wanted people to know, where are you in that place? You know, I have um, somebody that I shared in my book where, um, you know, their relationship was really quite in in this individual's mind quite normal, and then in a second it flipped. And other people slowly, um, things just are toxic a little bit, and slowly it grows. But the point being is really think about what the problem is. And I'm going to encourage you that if you're not in and around God and the Word and wise counsel and things like this, we're determining what's good and right based off maybe a swayed version of what's good and right possibly how we were raised, or the other people around us, or we slowly have had our what we call moral compass, or our thermometer or barometer of what's good and right slowly is changed just by the world. And then pretty soon, it's, oh, it's too much. It's, it's out of whack, and it's off balance. Okay, so next, we're going to be looking at then this place of, are we supposed to stick it out You know, is that our job, especially marriages, but I want to speak to people who are just in relationships too, but even families, we sometimes have family members, we're grown adults and maybe our own mother or father still do this to us. You know, where is that role for us and what, what do we do with that? And then last, sometimes we're in these places, but we feel like it's impossible to get out. We literally don't feel like we know how. So let's quick try to get to the word about each of these things. So the first one, you know, how, how did this happen? And is it slow? Did it slowly take over me? Did it come in one quick foul swoop or how does that go? And I really wanted us to look at Matthew 20, 26 through 28. I'm going to go ahead and read it, but number um, verse 26 then starts in. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you, must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. And verse 28 says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life for ransom for many. Why on earth would I use that verse in this, right? Because I feel like this is where so many of us can go wrong, where we're sort of feeling like we're in this place of, um, you know, Uh, of authority or under authority. And that's often where this gets all mixed up is where we feel like I, I, I need to um, respect this person, even though this is, this is wrong or whatever. And we have to remember that God is the authority and who are we serving? And that's, what's so hard about when we're in a relationship with someone is do we get mixed up on, who we're in that relationship with. This is a lot of equally yoked stuff. And I want us to know that, you know, In its, how did this start out? Did it start out slowly? Let's think about this. When you start in a relationship with someone, there's love there. I mean, it's joy and it's a great place. And if it's your parents, you love them. And there's this good place there. And And our goal is that the people we are yoked with are advancing that relationship with God themselves. And as they become more godlike and more Christ-like and, and deeper in their walk, then it's easier for us to trust, submit, serve, um, forgive, and all these things. But when that person is not walking in those places, then that's when we're hung up. And then what are we really saying yes to? What are we serving? And what are we committing to? Are we committing to God, the God that's inside this person? Or are we trying to be obedient and serve and all these things to somebody who's practicing, I mean, taking us down a dark way? And so this clarity of kind of like, looking at the behaviors like how did it start when did it change and is this person that you're being really abused by um, living in and on a path of towards god or are they on a path of destruction and everything so when you're serving and committing be careful so just want you to think on that a little bit the next is in the same area just like the slow takeover that happens over you and pretty soon you're in too deep I wanted us to think about justice. Like especially when we're trying to decide if we stay in, there's these instincts that come up with humans. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter where you're at, if it's at work or whatever when someone wrongs us, part of us wants them to just understand it and that there's some justice to all this and and we beg God for justice and we want just to make some right and sense out of this. And so I love these verses here that I want us to just think on before we move into the when and why. So I have um, Jeremiah 9, 24. So I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these, I delight. So just kind of like, oh, removing ourselves from wanting to be in that place because we know that when I, okay, I'm just gonna say I know a lot of abusers and I've worked with people who were abusive and now aren't. I've worked with women who and met, and one man, <laughs> women who were abused and, and through God um, you know there was healing and restoration and they were able to then come back but then it's like you have to get back clear in your mind is that where's my role in the justice? Like I deserved for this to be right. Well, God's in that role of handling all that. We can forgive, but and, and we call on God to help with that. But but the justice keep keep in God's lane, okay. And then next is this kind of ecclesia. I'm going to give you several. So Deuteronomy 12: 17 and 18, which is, "I am the God who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes." A lot of times when there's abuse involved, at least the people I've worked with, there's often bribes. God does not bribe. But an individual who hurts you and then comes back with all sorts of ultim, you know, kind of, oh, but if this happens and then that and all these sorts of things, instantly know this is not how God works. God does not work with bribes and ultimatums. He's unconditional and he knows how it goes and and we have to be clear in this. But then also there's Three, three different references of the same verse. So Ecclesiastes 3.17, Hebrews 10.30, and Romans 12.19. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and kind of read the, um, the idea behind this verse. But God will bring into judgment and righteousness and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time to judge every deed and this is where our heart goes out. Now, I'm, of course, listening and talking with people in all different places, so there are some marriages that are now um, non-existent and that they're in different places now, and that is what had to be done, and God was a part of that journey. There's other ones that are where you're back together, or maybe there's some right now where you're in these separate places trying to figure out, but keeping in mind that um you know, where, what, what is God's role in all this? And, and calling on him to do it his way instead of you to try to do it your way. Now let's look more a little bit about, um, the when. Um, so I really wanted us to think about I get a lot of questions, even questions about infidelity and things like this, when people say, well, when is it okay to get divorced? Well, I'm not a pastor, and I'm not going to go say that, and I can tell you, it depends on which pastor you talk to who's going to say what, and you know what section of the Bible they're passionate about. There's some black and white things. It's not for us today to get into all that, but I can tell you this— We see witnesses of the Bible, it's complex, because we see commands, actions, and witnesses of people doing both things. So I'm just going to read a little bit here. So when Jesus commands his disciples, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn also to the other side. So that's Matthew um, 539. Basically, he is describing a way that we love. And that's great. It's a testimony, actually, of Jesus because He suffered, um, and He was saying that He was God was sufficient enough for Him, and that He didn't need to take revenge. Was is the concept behind that verse? And I just got done talking about revenge and God, God handling it, letting God um, do the justice work, not us. So in my mind, this verse relates a lot about. Um, you know, if you would hit back, that's like you're trying to get them back, right? Um, and this is not really what that verse is about. I want us to look a little deeper, and this is my understanding. So, so now this is the way, of course, that Christ loved and things like that. But when we are reviled, and then basically we're we're in this place of suffering sometimes too. But he was not threatened. He entrusted God to do His job. And we know this in like 1 Peter 2.23. But think now about how this is not the only way that we can show love. So those who are persecuted, the Bible also warrants many things like fleeing. So think about this. Um, You know, There's wrestling going on all the time in the Bible with the people who are persecuted. And oftentimes there's times where we're supposed to flee. And there's other times when we're supposed to stay, and how do we know this? But I want you to just think, because we don't have time to get too deep in all this. But I want you to think: Moses fled in Exodus. I went and wrote these down in Exodus two fifteen. Moses stood in Hebrew eleven twenty three. David fled in 1 Samuel nineteen twelve, and David stood in um, twenty or er, in yeah Jeremiah twenty four eight. Um, and then fled in Jeremiah 37, 11 through 12, stood in 38, 17. Christ withdrew himself in Luke 9, 10. Christ stood in John 18, 1, 8. Paul fled in 2 Corinthians eleven thirty three. 33. Paul stood in Acts 20, 22 through 23. So the reason why I'm bringing this up is I really just want us to Sit there and take a minute and know that we need to get, we want to do what the word says. It's, it's, we know that it's truth and light, and it's going to help light, guide us and direct us. But we don't always understand. There are scholars that do, and we can get to those people. And so turn to your wise counsel and get to your pastors and get to the people that follow what you follow so that you can, you know, get, get the answers you need. But when you don't, no, and you're in these places, um, you call on God and do what he's nudging, guiding, and leading you to do. So next, I want to talk a little bit about, um, got to move my clipboard, why, all right? So let's go ahead and get with this um, idea of why. So you're calling on God, and, and you need to remember always your goal is to be close with God, always your relationship with God comes first. And if this other relationship is pulling you away from that, what about the people you're responsible for? Um, You are entrusted with children of God. If you have your own children and they're part of this, those are God's children. They are literally God's children and you are entrusted with them just like the other person. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. Um, These children are yours and they're God's. And so is this place that you're in right now with or against? Because remember, God says you're either with me or against me. And when we're keeping ourselves in places where we're feeding and growing into a place that's pulling us away, we really need to be paying attention and figuring out what we need to do and get to wise counsel for help on this. All right, so um, next I want to get to the gift. So we've now looked at the problem. You know, I've said, okay, is it that we are slowly getting moved into this and pretty soon it's so big and overwhelming? Or is it that we're thinking we're supposed to stick it out? And where's our role with that? What does the church say about that? What do we say about that? What is God telling us about that? And then, we looked at, we're, and then we looked at like the people that feel like it's impossible and we can lean on God and we have verses that are telling us from God what to do. I can't answer you all right now, but get to them because there are verses that will remind you that you need to flee. And there are other ones that are going to remind you that you need to stay. And that's your journey, and that's you with God and figuring it out. But now we've then now we're to the place of the gift. Well, what is the gift? In these verses, I pulled out several of them. Yes, strength, but it's not our own strength. We muster through. That's what we try to do, and we end up broken, tired, fatigued, unable. That's where we're defeated, and we feel like I'll never, I can't do it. But when we start to call on God's strength, He can. How about doorways? There was verses there that said that he will flee. flee, I will open doors for you. Wise counsel, seeking wise counsel that is going to give you direction through God. Um, Fruit of the spirit. When you're praying for that other person, um, which you should always do, whether you're with them or not, when you're praying for that other person, the fruit of the spirit. Is One is self-control. There's many. It's, it's all of it. Um, self-control, and you're know you wanting to continue this, and insight, insight that you don't have because you're believing the world or the lies that that other person's kind of gotten you down on, but if you get to God and into the Word, you start to believe the truth, and then you get that insight and strength in all this. We are down to 30 seconds. I can't believe this, you guys. Stay with us. After the break, we're going to come back. And April has so much insight and a beautiful story that is hard and, and has a great ending. So stay with us. We're going to come back after the break. See you soon.
0: This life-transforming coaching experience is based on Nikki's book, Awaking the Living Legacy, and is now offered in a self-study at the Living Legacy Academy. For more information, visit nikkiclagel.com. That's NikkiKlegel.com. things worth considering airs live every thursday at 8 p.m eastern time 5 p.m pacific time on voice america empowerment
1: change your world change your life voice america
0: is Living Within the Sweet Spot with Nikki Klegel. The phone lines are ready for you to call in and connect with our program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you're feeling a bit shy, send Nikki an email to Nikki at NikkiKlegel.com. Now, back to Living Within the Sweet Spot.
1: Yes, this is Nikki with Fulfill Your Legacy, and I am so happy you are back with us on Living Life Within the Sweet Spot. So we have April here with us today. I am delighted. I'm going to give you a second to share more about yourself, but I just kind of want to let everyone know how it is that we met. She can do the same. I'll briefly say she is an author of an awesome book, and it's called Pinpoint of Life, Escaping the Abyss of Abuse. Um, You know, when you're talking about a hard book, it's hard to say that it's wonderful or awesome, but it is. It's just powerful, I think is a better word. Um, I want you to share with people, you know, how we know each other. But I am going to say this. We are in a small group together. It's called The Fire Ring. And it's a group of authors who really want to impact the world with these these books and these businesses that have been put in front of us. And so April is such a strong um, person in there, just trying so hard to use it and and to change the world and take her bad situation and turn it into a way that she can you know, make the world better. And so that's beautiful. So, April, share with us a little bit about you and your book, and let's figure out why you're on the show today and how it relates to this topic.
2: All right. Well, thank you so much, Nikki. Um, yes, like you said, we do know each other through um, a wonderful writing opportunities and so on. So, I want to take this opportunity to share a little bit about my story and why it was so important to write it. So, 12 years ago, I left the abyss of abuse. And I did it through pinpoints of light. The light that was given to me was given definitely during these very dark, dark times. And so as Nikki was talking about earlier, there, are, there were times in when we for, when we first um, became engaged, that life was definitely great. We were in love. And I share a lot of that background in the first part of the story. I actually had an editor say, well, why do you give him so much time and credit? And I just thought, this was, we were married, this was a love story, and in those points of love and kindness and of giving to each other, we had the same goals, we were anchored in Christ, and we had the same direction. Now, where things started to change for my first husband, he was abused as a child, and it was a sexual abuse that occurred from a neighbor. They didn't share any of that information with anyone. And at the time when all of that was happening, he parked his pain next to a genetic um, mental illness that they had in their family that no one talked about. This was a family that didn't share those deep types of things. And so when parking his pain next to that, it was just kind of like it fed that mental illness monster. And when I come into the picture, and as we are engaged and then soon married, he has his own construction business and he's building homes and we're doing well together and we have the same direction. And then uh, we find out we're going to have our first baby. And so there's some stress added on. All life has stress. And in what he used to do prior to meeting me and prior to being a missionary, he had a lot of coping mechanisms to cope with his pain, which were uh, drugs and alcohol and addiction. He got clean and sober through the power of Christ. And that was another attracting piece to say, you know, if he has felt the love of the Savior and understood how to be forgiven and to move forward, I mean, what a great testimony. And so in our um, going forward together, And as the stress was building, I slowly started to notice different little, I would say, that they were key markers. And we still thought, okay, we can keep going forward in love and in faith. Now, the crux to all of this is agency. We are all agents unto ourselves. And the Lord and our Heavenly Father are not going to interfere with that. We make choices all the time. Now, choices as they affect not just themselves but others is when things really started to um, fall down and darken. I describe abuse in two situations or in two areas. One is the hunter and the other is a caged animal. I refer to my husband not as a hunter. A hunter is one that sees its prey and will groom, seek after, encage Um, do anything it can to control, and ultimately consume its prey. A caged animal is just as dangerous, but the approaches and such are a little bit flipped. He has no control. The abuser does not know when the next thing is going to strike. And when you add mental illness as well as addiction on top of that, you, as you witness this person in a cage, in that symbolic cage of addiction or of pain, You're a nurturer. You try to help. You've made covenants to give and support in health and in sickness. Well, that is true. And if that person who happens to be in that caged animal is willing to receive the help and go through professional help or other types of support or reach back to God, then there is true hope there. When that person is so lost and consumed by other things, it becomes control on the flip and that is very challenging to go through because again you just you're like eh, but if I could just open the door you would be free if you would just let me and every time you get close to the cage they unpredictably strike mentally physically emotionally and you're left just as wounded as if you're with a hunter yeah so I just want to make that very very clear
1: I love that you have the sort of um images for us and mental pictures and yeah and also that caged animal I feel like um there's this I I see it this almost fight for flight where it's not even you know just um out of vengeance it's like protection and just protection uh, fear yeah yeah. it is a completely different side of control Right, but, but still um, all, all bad and, and you're miser- you feel miserable for that person going through it. And again, then we're stuck in these places like, what do we do? The person who is the abusee. Um, so, you know, but we're going to get to that a little bit better here. So it, the next question I have for you then is, tell us about how you felt and went through those thoughts in your head as, what's my role as a wife? What's my role as a parent? What's my role as a helper? Am I contributing? Am I a savior or a vessel? Kind of all those things were things that when you and I talked earlier, I could hear you kind of talking that you were in those places. So tell us how you know what you're supposed
2: to be. Great. Great observation and questioning. The the pieces of all of that, I, I would call it, it's definitely part of how, we as humanity, when we look at other people who are in pain or who need help, there is a that you want to reach out and do what you can, and so you assume those roles. Some of them are the roles of the nurturer. Some are the roles of a caretaker. Some of the roles you feel like, if I could give them this hope, almost like a savior, then they could see it and then be changed, see the light, give that hope back, because you are basing this back on how you felt as you made those covenants and it's based on that hope but again the agency of the other person is that weighing factor if they're not able to we have to start to recognize that the safety of yourself the safety of your children and I'm talking about mentally physically emotionally all concepts of that safety really have to start to disentangle from the other person Mm-hmm. Because that person is in so much need and in so much trouble, mm-hmm. together it is not able to you know to really help. You need to be able to offer that caged animal to someone else to release and open the cage because mm-hmm. we can't do it mm-hmm. because our roles they just don't match and fit because we are not the savior. We can take the love of the savior. we can take that idea and concept. And as the Word teaches us to pray, to give, to give grace, but that doesn't mean at our, our sacrifice and cost of ourselves. Because yeah. we are His children. Mm-hmm. The person that is in that cage is just as much a child of God as I am. Mm-hmm. And He doesn't want to see His children damage each other. Mm-hmm. And so when we're in those roles, the idea of leaving sometimes really has to take place. Mm-hmm. but it, it's done with grace and it's done with love. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, um, and and the phys- There's a big difference between the physical and the and the heart. And sometimes you're leaving them physically, right. but your heart is right there with them still. You're still praying for them. You're still doing everything that you can. And if you're married as the wife, you know as best you can. And, um, sometimes your, you know, your relationship is severed and that needs to happen too. And, and I'm not in the place to tell you what's right and wrong. Like I said, I want you guys to get to your pastors and things like that for that. But, um, but, but understanding that we can't serve if it's a husband, we can't serve Satan. <laughs> not that that right. person, is, but if we're following God, it's easier to serve that person. When somebody is following a destructive path that, and they're, and they're not tapped into God or trying, they can screw up that yeah, all of us are sinners. So you can all screw up. Oh, but who are we serving? And who is that person you're serving, serving? You know, they don't need to be perfect, but um, just really trying to figure out, boy, what are you bowing down to? If you're going to be bowing down to this person who's in this bad place right now. So um, anyway, just all thoughts for you to be sitting there thinking on. All right. So let's move on to our next question then. You talk about this a lot in your book. Your title refers to it. And is there a lighthouse? Show the cover of your book.
2: I don't have it with me, otherwise I would.
1: <laughs> right. I'll bet, you know what? We might be able to put one in the comments because yes, I can put the Amazon will. link, the image will come up. But you talk that's a lot awesome. about pinpoints, and I know there's this reference of the lighthouse, which I really love how, like, just share a little bit about that.
2: Sure. Okay. So the, the whole concept and imagery and visual, visual visualization of the lighthouse and pinpoints of light is this. When you're in uh, the deep sea and the turmoil of whatever it is that you're in, for me it was this domestic violence, mental illness, and abuse. We were so in, so deep, we needed a reference point. So I have to say that when I talk about the abyss, I felt like I was underneath miles of ocean water, miles of ocean water, and just so lost in the dark. My eyes were searching for a hope, a glimmer of anything, And then I saw one. I saw one pinpoint of light which aimed me upward. And as I slowly started my swim, you know, symbolically speaking, and breaking through the surface, I started to see more of those pinpoints of light. The darkest night allow the stars to shine the brightest. So just like as our Heavenly Father allows the darkest night to shine forth with these stars, I started to see them more and more and more until finally they became one strong beacon of light, just like in a lighthouse. Now, lighthouses are foundationally sound. They're not in the middle of the ocean. They're on a rock. They're, they're sound, and I called it the Rock of Christ. They are right there, and that light continues to show forth. It shows you where the dangers are. It shows you to where safety is. So, as we continue to paddle forward and I, I have a chapter where I use a lot of this imagery in it where I am actually lifting my children into the same boat. I have nothing to paddle this boat to try to get to safety for and away from the the swirling, you know, torment and monster that was my marriage. So I just start paddling and paddling toward the, the light as it directs me. As we finally get to the shore, I can see it come it comes from a lighthouse. Now, that lighthouse was always full of love, and it was always full of hope, and we ourselves are made from light. We have the light of Christ within us, and so light attracts light. I finally was in a direction of hope and true light. That is what gave us our way out.
1: Yeah. So I love a lot of these points. One is how April was saying, you know, you just see a tiny little bit of hope, a tiny little bit of light, and you just go for it and head that way. And, um, you know, when, when we, you just, you just go, blind faith. But as you get closer, then you start to see more and more. And I like how she explains how this lighthouse is isn't out and isn't found uh, necessarily out there in this middle of all this chaos storm direction think of a turmoil sea just uh, the lighthouse is always out on solid ground and that is where we need to get is to solid ground and and to look for the light she was not she was not staring down um hunting for it it was like she knew to kind of search upward and i just want all of us to just really be thinking on this and people who are in desperate places and share this too, to other people who maybe are struggling with this sort of thing. Let's get to um, one more thing I always like to do. I can see our times going away already, but I like to kind of reference the fact that people are listening from many different countries in many different situations. And if you have one real message that you want for them to hold on to or let's sit in their heart, mind, and soul, what would that be?
2: It would be that there is always hope. The concept of light is absolute truth. We have to be quiet enough to listen and to allow it to guide us. The concepts that we were going through, I was still attending church. I was still reading every day, but I had this hope that our relationship, that he would change. If only he would do this, then we could go back to the way it was. I had to make a decision, victim or victor. There wasn't any magic in in that. And so when I made the decision for victor, that's when the first light popped in and then the next and then the next. Mm -hmm. And we were financially trapped as well as physically and emotionally trapped. So for our out, I needed something in that realm that I could, when I left, I knew I could leave permanently. And that was found with the light.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. We are down to 30 seconds. I'm going to point out one word as I close out that she spoke. And it's so true. And I know a lot of people feel this way when they're in these places is the word trapped. And um, God does not trap you. Okay. There's all kinds of freedom and choices with God and it feels better and stronger and the light is better. There's more hope as you make choices that lead you towards God and everything that he can offer you. So get um, to some truth and light, get to both of us go to our Facebook pages, whatever, follow us, reach out to us and come back after the break, because we're both going to be helping with some questions and answers on living life within the sweet spot.
0: This life-transforming coaching experience is based on Nikki's book, Awaking the Living Legacy, and is now offered in a self-study at the Living Legacy Academy. For more information, visit NikkiKlegel.com. That's NikkiKlegel.com.
2: Life can be confusing at times.
1: There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you define find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Empowerment. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed.
0: This is Living Within the Sweet Spot with Nikki Klegel. The phone lines are ready for you to call in and connect with our program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you're feeling a bit shy, send Nikki an email to Nikki at NikkiKlegel.com. Now, back to Living Within the Sweet Spot.
1: Hello, everyone. Yes, this is Nikki with Living Within the Sweet Spot, and I am back with the April Duke Tribe Duke. That's right. Am I saying that right? Yeah. You're saying it right. (laughs) So we are so happy that you guys are here with us. We have two questions, email questions, I think are really good. Let's go ahead and get started because I know, April, you're going to have some good insight for these. So the first one is JC. I'm going to go ahead and read what she's written here. And I picked this one on purpose. Um, both these people I have reached out to and I will find out if they want me to connect them with you, April. Um, But, um, but anyway, I, um, this scenario I've heard three times now. One was a young girl in high school um, kind of dealing with the same thing. Another was a married woman in the exact same situation and now JC. So I think this is sort of common. Let's go ahead and read it. So she says, um, I'm not sure if I have been naive Or if I was truly tricked, but it doesn't really matter. Um, Everything in me feels like I'm supposed to flee. This is my second marriage. My first husband cheated on me for years. And when Ty, that's the new person, um, came into my life, he gave me attention that I never knew before. I felt loved, cared for, and safe. Then, literally on our honeymoon, he hit me. We were having a great time learning to surf, and he was struggling it was easier for me. And when I tried to reassure him that we could just go do something else, he just went off. He acted like I was better than him. And that it was very personal. And he just punched me. And it's been spiraling downhill ever since. And so this is a little different than what we were talking about almost like where you know, things were slow, and they just progressively got worse. And now she's um, I know her now because I've met with her. Um, this, you know, literally has just happened. And, um,
2: so, so, yeah. so my, like what first hits me is that as I described it as either a hunter or a caged animal, this is definitely a hunter where he could see where her desperation and knew exactly how to groom her during the courtship. Right love, give the attention she'd ever felt before, all of those things that she was missing, he was like I can plug all those in and then I will have the control now the concept of you know, she's looking at it as I was just trying to help, I was just trying to encourage and he shows right away if you're doing that, then he is weak hunters are not meant to be weak, right Mm -hmm. they're in full control and so that concept you know again i am not a licensed counselor but the piece that just resonates within me is if you have that feeling to flee it is time it does not matter what anyone else thinks oh well this was a second marriage oh i i thought i was doing better this time your life is worth so much more than what other people are thinking
1: it's so interesting
2: Just so powerful.
1: I loved how right away you kind of were relating this to those two stories so we could kind of understand what you're talking about when you say the hunter or um, caged animal. Um, but in my mind, I was thinking um, many of the other things, like this is a new relationship. Um, what what can you do? Like t- put on the brakes a minute. Try to figure out where this came from. And always you should protect yourself. Um and, and always, always you need to keep yourself safe. Um, And so we've been working uh, a little bit together, trying to figure out, you know, where her boundaries are. And I'm going to give you a referral of another book called boundaries. Um, Awesome book. I'm, I'll post it in the comments here, but um, so, so when you're in this situation where it's brand new, it's the first time, do you run for the Hills? Do you, um, and, and does, And when we say flee, when like April says this, it doesn't mean you're like handing him divorce papers. (laughs) We don't mean that. We're saying protect yourself, get yourself safe. And then this is your thing that you need to be figuring out with God and with your pastor and all this. But now we've um, with this particular gal, not every situation, we've gotten her now into a whole circle of people she was not involved with. Many times people want to, they're embarrassed and they don't want to share this with anyone that this happened. And we immediately got her tapped into her church who then got her tapped in with two other women who've been through this. The husbands of those women are reaching out to this new husband. So just everything as best you can. And this helps, you know, later on if there's going to be any recovery of this or not. Are you going to be living and serving in all this, somebody who's not living and serving God, or are you going to be living and serving and working through with somebody that is trying to figure this out themselves? Okay, so April, what are
2: you thinking? So I'm thinking right away is that whatever types of supports are there, that's always, you know, that's always very helpful, but it always comes down to his agency and what he's going to choose. Mm-hmm. If he has a lot of pain, fear, anxiety, you know, we can label it how we want. And if he is not willing to go through the pain to let go of whatever it is so that he can become healthy, it's not going to work. It mm-hmm. just won't. And that is the lie. Mm-hmm. So if you think about this, we haven't talked about statistics, but it says one in three women are going to be placed in some type of abusive situation. That is very. Those numbers are incredibly high. So my question starts to go with: I raise boys. I have five of my nine children are boys. What am I doing when I in raising these boys? Are they becoming men? What was their? Pain, what are their pain points? What did we, you know, not catch as a kid helped them to resolve? Because if the majority of this abuse is happening, and it is just statistically with men. I'm not saying that women don't also share it, but statistically the men on that side, the numbers are just greater. So we have to look back at society. Society's foundation and the Lord's foundation, Heavenly Father's foundation, is family. We are all of his children. He has the whole structure of family for us to be born into. If the family unit is not healthy, safe, and secure, how are we going to be able to pull up all these things together? So the concept and the idea is really, I look back at how can we help to really break these cycles of abuse so that they know that there's that idea of love. They can be vulnerable and not have that fear. Mm-hmm. Of if a man shows that he's vulnerable, it is the most intense thing ever because they were taught right at, the, right at the start. If you're vulnerable, shows you're weak. And if a man is weak, you know, there's yeah. no way you can do all the rest of this.
1: Yeah. And you know? I love um, walking men through um, God, being God partnered. And I guess right. the kick out of time and time again, the, these men that come to Christ are always like, why am I bawling all the time? <laughs> they're like newly in this place where they're just um aware and they get things and they feel things like they never have before and it is so recognizable to me as such power and strength when I see that and yet the world sees a man cry and often it's weak and when you are of when you understand God you see that sensitivity and that compassion in a man and it is um, beautiful and strong.
2: Think about how the savior is, is he walked and talked and showed us the way his perfect example showed all of these pieces with that. And so that is incredible strength. It's incredible.
1: Yeah. Okay. We got to get to our next question. All right. So the second one, and we'll go back to her um, and I can maybe share where she's come with things. But Jamie um, now has um, an email in. And so Jamie's is, My husband and I have lived a horrible life. I'm embarrassed to admit it, sexual immorality, substance abuse, selfish-seeking ways, and we have paid the price. I literally almost died, and out of desperation in the hospital, I cried so loud to God. A nurse came in and prayed with me all that night and into the next couple days while she was there. Then she came back, and she kept offering sweet prayers throughout my stay. in in those days she asked if her pastor could come meet with me and he did i'm now part of their church and church family um my husband stayed on that path of destruction for almost a year and then he finally um started to turn to god at a different church um and now he is trying to build a relationship back with me so her pastor she was thinking of getting a divorce originally and her pastor encouraged her to just wait and to try to you know, keep praying for him because she hadn't really tried that route yet. It was escape, and she hadn't done the route of praying for him and kind of getting people around her helping and being an example of that. So now she's saying, I'm scared, and do you have any advice for me? And um, so, how do we do this? Now, I know your situation's a little different, But you know, you're working with people, and this, and there are times where it works. And how, what do we do?
2: So, again, this goes back to two things. When we talk about the lighthouse, you are always that you can become that shining lighthouse as we partake of the word, as we become that light to shine forth. Prayers, goodwill, service can always be continued. There comes a point, though, where sometimes just out of habit, and maybe even compatibility, they're just not a good match. It doesn't mean that you know divorce or acceptance has to become ugly at all, it doesn't have anything to do, you don't have to go in that route, but if she still has a sense of fear, it's there for a reason. She has experiences in the past that show her that there's more time for healing that needs to happen. and. You know, he probably will need to be tested on his own to see when the stressful situations happen, when life comes back, where does he go back to, what does he revert back to. If he has a true change of heart, I mean, small mistakes, of course, but when they return back to habit out of fear and out of that feeling of loss of control, that's where it gets really challenging. Mm -hmm. And so they really have to go with their gut because the Spirit will speak to each one of us. And it doesn't mean that you can't continue to wish goodwill, prayers, help, and keep the supports around him as well as her. But mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. it may not be. It's, yeah, I like that. We, mm-hmm. I like that we
1: both have been speaking to individuals that for safety, um, for the continued um, place where your children and yourself can follow and serve God versus not. That we understand there's times where you're not going to be able to be together and other times where, yeah, you might be able to. But what we both, what I hear is both saying is we want that done with God. And um, I, I like this sort of legend that's in my book about, you know, who are you feeding? And there's always good and bad. And we know the written word tells us you're either with me or against me. And just kind of always remembering that who, which are you feeding? Cause we live in the world, we're made of flesh. So there's good and bad here. And the one that's going to reign in your life is the one you feed. And so, um, keep in mind that, you know, when you put this, try to introduce this person, I, I've already connected with her. So when you try to introduce this person, um, parameters and expectations that are clear and um speak this gal um never spoke faith see she came to christ after in the you know when she was much later so they didn't start that unity with that in mind and and so now they are and um and and just go slow and walk through it and lots of um lots of boundaries and just kind of trusting God. It's called blind faith for a reason, um, but you got to know when it's it's time to, when it's not right. Um, but anyway, so we are down to two minutes. Okay. So I want you to share with the group um, a couple things. You have a program starting in May. Yes. And Tell us who would be the people that would potentially be in that and what it's going to be all about.
2: Okay, great. <clears throat> so my program is called Dusk to Dawn. And so we take, again, that metaphor of light, and if you've ever seen a picture of the sun at the horizon, and it's just a still shot, you don't know if it's rising as a dawn or if it's falling as a dusk. Mm -hmm. And so the program is going to take people that are in all different levels of, like we've shared today, they're either right at the beginning of abuse, they've been through horrendous things, maybe they're out of it, and the idea is we will meet them where they are, and if they're in that dusk going to night, how can we lead them through the dawn into the day? Because that's ultimately where we want to be headed, you know, I with them. That. Yes, it's I, it's a really powerful image. I
1: love that you um, have both in there. And I can see that they would help each other as well, you know. Um, so I love that. Um, people, please reach out to me. Um, her website and um, Facebook page are on here. So please just follow Up, however, you may want to, but I also want to let you know about something. So, my uh, viewers are so great on, I'm so grateful to all of you guys on my own website, even that I am going to be having an iTunes channel of my own. So, please, people listening, get to that. You're going to be seeing it come out in the next, uh, I don't know, week. And then, another thing is, my second book is coming out, and I'm going to be looking at a three month pilot where um, it is going to be TV, and so um, we need to be looking for that. And it's all based around the next book coming out. And so there are some changes. Please find me, come to this website, look me up. Don't don't lose track. I'm going to end on April. April Tribe Duke, your um, awesome book. Please get to it, you guys. Thank you for coming today, April. It was you nice. Bet. All right. See you on Living Life Within the Sweet Spot.
0: Thank you for tuning into Living Within the Sweet Spot. Please join your host, Nikki Klagel, next Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until our next program, invite abundance into your life and live a happier, fuller, and more successful life than ever before.